Welcome to the Healthy and Happy Podcast, a workshop-style podcast hosted by yours truly, Julie Boer. I'm a nutrition coach with over a decade of experience in the fitness and wellness industry, and I'm the author of the book, Healthy and Happy, Find Food Freedom and Create the Body You Love, which you can find on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and other major retailers. I am on a mission to help women live healthier, happier lives and show up as the strongest, most confident version of themselves. In this podcast, we get real about all things nutrition, mindset, motherhood, and personal development to help you cut through the BS and transform your body and most importantly, your life. By listening to this podcast, you are showing up for yourself, committing to your own growth and evolution, and I'm so proud of you for doing that. Thank you for listening, and you are one step closer to building the body and life of your dreams. And just a reminder to support the show. If you love this episode, please leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify so we can spread this message of health, happiness, and empowerment far and wide. And tag me on your Instagram story so I can show you some love for listening. Let's dive in. Hello, my loves, and welcome back to another episode of the Healthy and Happy Podcast. Today, I am sharing a more personal story and some tips and lessons I've been learning in a very difficult season of my life. So I have recorded an episode with the same title called Self-Care When Life Sucks before, but after I went through something that was completely life-changing, my biggest loss in my life so far, the loss of my dad in December, I felt like it was a really appropriate time to do an updated episode because I've grown so much since I recorded that episode and I've done things a lot differently with such a big loss in my life. So if you've been following me on Instagram, you may know that my dad passed away in December three months ago, pretty unexpectedly. He went into the hospital. He was in the hospital for nine days before he ultimately passed away. It was a very traumatic experience for my whole family. Lots of ups and downs, lots of he's going to make it. No, he's not. He's going to make it. No, he's not. And ultimately, his body wasn't strong enough to pull through everything that he went through. This was just two days after Christmas and one day before his 67th birthday. And if you know me at all personally, or if you've been following me on the podcast or any of my work over the past decade, you know that my dad was one of the most important people in my life. I always say he was my person. He was the one I called for everything. He knew everything, the good, the bad, the ugly. He never judged me for it. He was not a perfect person, but he was so authentic and he was always there. He was the kind of person that I could call at 3 a.m. if I was feeling anxious and he would be there, which is such a rare quality to find in a person. So after his passing, I've really been trying to think, what are the greatest parts about him, the things that I remember the most after he passed away, such as his dedication to his friends and his family, and he was everyone's person that they called. They always felt like they could rely on him. And I'm trying to adopt the same thing. How can I show up as a better friend? How can I show up as a better family member for the people in my life so that I can be that person? So that when I die, hopefully many decades from now, everyone says that about me too. So needless to say, his passing has allowed me to reflect a lot on my own life, the ways that I show up for my health and wellness, because like I said, my dad was only 66 and had health struggles for honestly a couple of decades before his passing. And I know some things are out of our control, but there is a lot that is within our control, such as the way we eat, the way we move our bodies, that we do have the ability 
to take steps in a positive direction to hopefully change the outcome of our lives and the longevity of our lives. And as a mother now, that's especially important for me because I do want to be around for my kids. And God willing, I want to be around not only for my grandkids to see the birth of my grandkids like my dad was, but for them to be able to get to know me. That's one of the things that makes me very sad is that I know my dad would have given my boys the best advice in the world. And Leo, who's three, already had such a special relationship with him. So needless to say, it's been sad for the whole family. But today I wanted to chat through some of the things that I'm doing for self-care when my life was thrown this unexpected curveball of grief. Now I have a lot to say about grief because like I said, this is the biggest grief I've experienced in my life and I've grieved other things before, but not to this extent. So this is kind of a new world for me and I would love to chat about it more. That's not what today's episode is about, but I did want to share this analogy that I found on Instagram with you because I thought it described grief so beautifully. It says, grief is like butter, heavy and solid until it eventually gets folded in. It's still there, integrated in and perhaps a little less intense, but forever flavoring our experiences. Eventually, there might be something sweet and lovely folded into life too. That grief butter remains though, sometimes hitting us in unexpected and powerful ways. We taste it all and grapple with its complexity. But holding both at the same time, the heavy and the lovely, is precisely what makes life so beautiful. And that's what I found to be true of my experience losing my dad. It has been excruciatingly difficult at times, and there's also so much beautiful in my life with my children, and I went back to work in January doing the Healthy and Happy Mama program, which has brought me so much joy and peace and fulfillment. Even though we started just a few weeks after my dad passed away, I already had everybody lined up and ready to go, so thank God. because I do not know that I would have been able to start work after he passed away from scratch. So kudos to myself for setting that up in advance. But there's beautiful and there's struggle and sometimes those things happen on a daily basis. When I used to hear about the stages of grief, I thought that they were actual stages like, okay, for two weeks you're sad and then you get angry and then you're in shock and then all the other stages. I find that I kind of ride a wave of grief on a daily basis. So as an example, I woke up this morning, something triggered me and I started crying first thing. Then 15 minutes later, I'm like, okay, I got to get it together. I want to record a podcast about this. I need to work. I need to be in a positive headspace for my work and for my family. And so I navigated out of that pain. And I do find that when I have a second to myself, because my therapist has been telling me grief is a luxury, like being able to really wallow in it and just sit with it, which I don't really have the luxury of time right now because I'm a mother and I might be crying, but then my three-year-old and one-year-old are like, mommy, mommy, mommy. (laughs) So it pulls me out of it pretty quickly. I find that when I do get a second to myself, like when I'm working out or the rare times that I'm driving by myself in the car, that's when it hits me. I've also heard from my therapist that trauma can be stored in the body and when you move your body, it releases. It's a form of release. And so that's why pretty much after every workout, I've been crying, I guess. Makes sense to me. I'm not going to question it. So all of that to say, that's a little sneak peek into my personal grief experience. I'm not going to pretend that I know what your grief experience is like because after going through this profound experience, I've been speaking a lot with people who have lost someone and everybody grieves differently. So I just want to say that every person grieves differently and every person is going to do self-care differently in the grieving process. 
Now, I'm talking a lot about grief because that's what I'm going through, but this podcast is titled Self-Care When Life Sucks. Life can suck for a multitude of reasons. And I also say that acknowledging that just because parts of your life suck doesn't mean your whole life sucks. So I'm not trying to say your life sucks. It's over from here. It might just be a small nugget of your life that sucks. But everything is relative, right? Just because I'm going through a massive loss doesn't mean that these principles and lessons that I've been learning can't apply to a certain aspect of your life as well. Let's get into it. Self-care when life sucks. How to maintain or create healthy habits when life goes to shit. Again, I say that acknowledging the gratitude and beauty in all parts of our lives, okay? Okay. (laughs) Many people wait until life is calm and perfect to prioritize self-care and healthy habits. I hear this all the time as a nutrition and wellness coach for women and moms. They say, okay, after I go on vacation, I'm going to start working with you. Oh, I'm going through a really hard, busy season right now. I'm going to prioritize my wellness when that's over. But if we know one thing to be true about life, it's this. Life is gonna life. That's what I always say. Life is gonna life. That means you're gonna get sick or your kids will get sick or you may deal with a bigger loss or grief or heartbreak or a career transition or a life transition, a breakup, a marriage, a big move. The list could go on and on. And there are no ideal circumstances to start building the foundation for a healthy life emotionally or physically. And it's never too late to make those changes. I will acknowledge that of course it's a lot easier to build foundational self-care practices during a calm and easier season of life, but that's not always realistic or possible. So what can we do to truly care for ourselves emotionally and physically if shit hits the fan? Now I'm going to go through a list and by no means is this an exhaustive list. And I acknowledge once again that your grief and self-care practices may look completely different than mine. But in hopes of maybe this reaching somebody who is going through a difficult time right now, I do want to share a few of the emotional and physical actions I've been taking over the past three months for myself after the biggest heartbreak I've ever experienced, which was the loss of my dad. We're going to go through this in categories, okay? We're going to go through emotional, physical, and other, because I don't know what else to call it. (laughs) So emotional. The number one thing that's been helping me is regular therapy sessions. Now, If you're not in grief right now or a crazy period of your life, it's actually an awesome time to find a therapist because I've had my therapist since 2020. And now when something comes up, I just book a session. I don't have to go out there and find a new therapist in the middle of grief and interview people. Therapy is kind of like dating or finding the right therapist is kind of like dating where you may have to go to a few different therapists before you find the right one. That's very difficult to do, to keep meeting people, explaining your grief, telling your whole life story when you're in the thick of it. That's why I always tell people, you don't have to have this come to Jesus or rock bottom moment to see a therapist. In fact, I do think it's beneficial to find one and to have that person on your team when shit does hit the fan. So you have somebody who's there for you and can support you, who's an outside objective perspective on your situation in your life. So that's the first thing, regular therapy sessions. I'm going every two weeks right now. And just as a side note, I'm always asked, how do you find a therapist? I got really lucky. I found my therapist on the first try through word of mouth, but I believe there's a directory on psychology today that you can look through, find somebody that specializes in things that sound relevant or specific to you. And also I've heard on many podcasts, the sponsored ads by BetterHelp. Today is sponsored by BetterHelp. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) It's not. I've never looked into it, but it's an online virtual therapy resource that may be beneficial to you. It's called BetterHelp. So check into that as well. 
The next thing I will say is I've been ritualizing my grief and giving myself time to feel. So when the tears come up, it feels extremely uncomfortable. And sometimes they come at the worst possible times when I'm like, I do not need to be crying right now. I have other crap I need to do. (laughs) But I allow myself, even if just a few minutes, to like really let the tears out, sob it out, and move on with my day. And I found that that's been so helpful as opposed to tabling it and being like, no, you're not allowed to feel this. You can't feel this right now. It's a terrible time. Of course, there are times when that's appropriate because you have to do work you have a meeting in two minutes and you're like, okay, I can't be sobbing for my meeting. So (laughs) let me put on my big girl panties for like a couple of minutes here, table this crying. We'll get to it when the meeting's over. But for the most part, when it does come up, I'd say like 85% of the time, I just let myself feel it, ride the wave of emotion, let it peak and ride the wave all the way to shore. And then usually I feel so much better as a result of letting that out. I've also considered the idea of having a weekly date with my dad. I haven't done this yet, but it's something I've been playing around with. What if I scheduled in time for like a formal grieving process so that A, I'm acknowledging the grief. I'm not saying that I can only cry during that 30 minutes that I have a date with my dad on Sundays. I'm still going to let myself cry throughout the week when it comes up. But then I have a more formal time to be like, okay, that's when I'm going to look through his things and really take time with him. One of the most beautiful things I heard, I think it was like the day after my dad died. And I was just like, (laughs) in true Julie fashion, Googling how to move through grief, how to heal from grief and all this stuff. Action taking ASAP. One of the things I read was that you can continue to have a relationship with your loved one after they pass. And I thought that was so beautiful because I think sometimes we think of it like the end, like that's it. I'm never going to talk to them again. But I've received so many signs from my dad and I would love to chat about that on the podcast eventually. I'm not there yet in terms of sharing that. But I do feel like in ways he's with me now more than ever. And so it's important to me to continue to build that relationship. That's just a side note. So ritualizing my grief and giving myself time to feel. The next thing is minimizing distractions that feel good temporarily, like scrolling on my phone versus being present in my life. I mean, I think this is a universal thing that we all struggle with, whether we're going through hard period or not, which is distracting ourselves from life and things that we should be doing or want to be doing. So I've really just been putting my phone away throughout the day. I've been so much more productive But I've also been so much more happy and just appreciating the beauty of life. Like as weird as this sounds, I was in the checkout line yesterday and I was just thinking of how grateful I am to be able to pay for groceries. And then me and Jack were walking home from the grocery store. We had all the groceries in the bottom of the cart. It was around the time when the sun was starting to go down, which God bless the sun has finally been out here in February. I'm like, dad, you picked the worst time of year to die. In the middle of winter, two days after Christmas, one day before your birthday. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. But it's just been so gray and gloomy. And so when I saw the sun out and it was starting to go down, I just stood there for a second. I was like, wow, this is beautiful. And I was able to recognize that because I wasn't on my phone. I wasn't even listening to a podcast or music or anything when I was walking. I was just like, holy cannoli. My dad is out there somewhere in the sky and he's just there and I'm here and life is so crazy. Like the odds that we're here are just insane. Also, this has been kind of a spiritual awakening for me. So we'll talk about that maybe some other time. (laughs) But I've also been looking for all the ways that I am being supported versus the ways that I'm not. One of the books I read about grief, I'm not going to name it. I don't even remember the name, so that's why I'm not going to name it. But it was very negative. It was very like, 
all these people are trying to bring you lasagna and lasagna sucks. Lasagna doesn't make up for our grief, which is true. And it validated some of the things that I was already feeling like kind of disappointed in the ways that people were showing up for me. For example, on the day that um, we went to my dad's funeral, I didn't receive a text from a couple important people in my life. And I'm like, that is the bare minimum you could possibly do. And so I started to get salty about that. But then I'm like, you know what? People show their love in different ways. And before this happened to me, I was probably that person too that was like, you don't know what to say. You don't know how to say it. You're just trying your best. And I've realized now that the best thing you can do is just check in on people and be like, hey, thinking of you, can I bring you food? Or like, just drop off food, you know? That's a universal love language. After I had my babies, after my dad died, when people dropped off food, I'm like, I've never felt more loved and taken care of in my life because that's one less thing I have to think about. So if you do have a grieving person in your life or somebody who's going through something, I strongly encourage you to just get them groceries. Even if you're like, I don't even know what they like to order. Don't even ask them. Just get the essentials, eggs, milk, bacon. Everybody loves bacon, (laughs) whatever, and drop it off at their door. I found that the hardest thing to explain to people, both postpartum and in my grief period, is when people say, let me know if there's anything I can do. How can I help you? I'm like, I genuinely don't know. And as somebody who has trouble asking for help in the first place, I'm not going to be like, I here's my grocery list. I would love for you to go to this specific grocery store because I don't like the other one that's right here. I want you to get this thing, this organic thing. This I'm not going to do that. I'm just like, I'm good. Thanks, though. But I'm not good, you know? So anyways, that was just a little tangent about showing up for somebody in your life who's grieving. But the point of that is... I'm looking for all the ways I am being supported by so many people in my life who have stepped up and who love me. And even just my sweet little babies who are so kind and forgiving and unconditionally love me even when I'm crying. And they're just like, what the hell is mom doing right now? And then I get over it and we hug. We talk about how much we miss grandpa and all of that. What you look for, you will find evidence of. If I look for the reasons I'm not supported, I certainly find evidence of it. However, if I choose to look for all the ways I am being supportive, I will find evidence of that as well. Next thing is to let people know how I'm feeling. This has been a big thing because I have found that the week that something happens, everybody's showing up at your door. Everybody's messaging you. Everybody's sending you texts. Everybody's calling. How are you? Is everything okay? But one month, two months, three months after, people kind of forget. And so sometimes you got to remind them like, hey, I'm still feeling really sad. And this has been such a struggle for me because sometimes I feel like I have to justify my grief. Like, hey, do y'all remember my dad just died three months ago? Like that's, can, can I get some support here? Can I get some love? Can I get some whatever? But people, again, when it's not the loss of their own loved one or they're not going through the experience themselves or in the same way that you are, they just don't get it. So give them grace too, but it's my responsibility to let people know how I'm feeling. And if I need them to show up for me or help me or support me in a certain way, that's my responsibility to do so because people are not mind readers. Next thing is sitting in the shit. You got to feel it to heal it. This has been the biggest thing. I kind of talked about this, letting yourself ride that wave of emotions because it does end. I think sometimes we think if we let ourselves feel the emotion, we're going to get stuck in it forever. I have found the opposite to be true. The more I let myself feel, the more I heal and the easier and quicker I ride through that emotion. The next thing I'm doing is giving myself a ton of grace and patience remembering that I just lost somebody and that changes me from the inside out. Grief physiologically and psychologically changes you forever. That is a lot to deal with. 
especially as the mom of two young children. I want to show up as the best mom. I want to show up as the best coach for you guys. I want to show up as the best wife, the best everything for everybody. And sometimes I just have to put the brakes on and be like, okay, that's not going to happen. That can't happen right now. And that's okay. I'm doing my absolute best and 100% of my best is going to look different every day. Sometimes I only have 27% capacity, but if I give that 27% for that day, that is enough and to give myself a ton of grace and patience in that. And then reminding myself that there is no right way to grieve and trusting myself that I'm doing it in a way that's perfect for me. So that's the emotional side of things. The physical side of things, which is what I'm so proud to have established these habits before shit hit the fan, which is what I talk about in my first self-care when life sucks episode. It's important to establish these now if you're in a season where you're good, you're Gucci, everything's fine. But even if you're not, okay, there are still improvements you can make when it feels super difficult. So here are some physical things I'm doing to honor this grieving process. Number one, moving my body. And the caveat here is honoring that that may look different than my usual workout routine. Sometimes I frankly do not have the energy to go and lift weights. So I'm like, I'm going to go for a run because that's going to give me more immediate energy. Or maybe it's not even going for a run because that also sounds pretty hardcore. (laughs) And I've just recently gotten back into running. So if you would have told me that like two months ago, I'd be like, a run? You're saying a run is chill? Like, (laughs) I get it. So sometimes it looks like laying on my floor and stretching. Sometimes it looks like getting some fresh air and going outside for a walk to the grocery store. Honoring that moving my body may look different every day based on what I need, but it actually feels good to have structure and routine around my movement so that I have something to look forward to, something to show up to, something to follow through on the commitments that I make to myself. And working out is a really solid way to do that. The next thing I do is nourish my body with food. GPF ideally, but really just making sure I'm eating enough. I used to be a stress eater where I would eat anytime I felt any kind of uncomfortable emotion. I have found that in the past couple of years, I'm actually the opposite. I actually avoid eating or eating is not at the forefront of my mind. I feel a little bit nauseous and I just like, I have to force myself to eat, especially in the first few weeks after my dad died. So really, I've just been making sure that I'm eating enough. And now that I'm a couple months out, I'm really focusing on the quality of my food choices again. So eating GPF for every meal greens, protein, fat, and fiber. I have found that protein has been such a game changer for me. If I'm eating enough protein, I find that my anxiety is less and I have more mental clarity and energy. So that has really been a focus for me. Breakfast with 30 grams of protein and then making sure I'm getting enough protein throughout the day. Next thing is staying hydrated with water and electrolytes. My water intake has not been the best because who's thinking about water, you know, but you're losing so much water through your tears. You got to replace it. (laughs) So I've been drinking the element electrolytes again, not sponsored, but it should be because I drink them every day and they've been so supportive of me postpartum, breastfeeding, grief, life, all of that training, everything. The next is I've been trying, I'm not the best at this, but I've been trying to do more intuitive style movement like yoga. I remember when I used to do yoga consistently, I felt so good and so spiritually connected. And I remember one time I was sitting in pigeon pose, which is a hip release stretch. And they were saying trauma is stored in your hips. And so you may get emotional when you're doing a hip stretch. So that is in the back of my mind. And I'm like, okay, I probably should do that because I don't want this trauma to be all stored all up in my body. So I should probably be stretching and going to yoga. I'm not the best at it, but that's my intention is to do more intuitive style movement like yoga. And also leaving my workout early to cry if that's what I need to do, which happens a lot. 
and not beating myself up for that and being like, you're a piece of garbage. You didn't finish your workout. Truly just allowing myself to just, again, have grace for myself and be like, it's all good, girl. Like you have your whole life, hopefully, to train hard and push it and like not cry every five minutes. But sometimes you are going to have to do that and that's fine. And reminding myself that even in grief, I can and should prioritize my physical well-being as much as I can. This is not a time to table self-care and be like, I'll take care of you when you're better. Because when the heck are you going to get better? When are you going to feel better? You have no idea. So if anything, this is a way to help yourself feel better on a daily basis. Think of it like your own child. You're your own child. If your child was deeply sad because they lost someone or something... They would need support. They would need loving, nourishing meals. You would say, okay, let's go outside. Let's be in the sunshine. Let's get some fresh air. You can't stay in your room all day. Sometimes we have to give ourselves the same loving encouragement that we would give our children. And then just some other things that have been helpful. Listening to podcasts or reading books that help explain how I'm feeling. I started reading Option B by Sheryl Sandberg, which has been really good. I've been getting lots of sleep as much as I can with two toddlers, but really that looks like I'm going to sleep at the same time as my kids and I'm trying to wake up before them because both of those things are necessary. I used to be the person that had revenge bedtime procrastination is what people call it, where you're like, finally some free time. And I would stay up for hours and hours after my kids went to sleep and then I'd go to bed at like 11, but then they wake up at six regardless. Leo wakes up at 6.24 on the dot every day. Don't know why, don't know how, but he does. And I just found that the less sleep I had, the more my emotions were all over the place. And I was like, okay, I need to sleep. And so once those kids, their heads hit the pillow, I'm going to go to sleep at the same time as them. And even if that means all the dishes didn't get done right now, that's okay. I'm usually like get the dishes done type of person. So you wake up to a clean house. My husband has been taking care of that because I need to rest and he gets that. Thank God I have somebody who's supportive. But the times when it's me being solo, because he's doing his 24-hour shifts, I make sure to clean the kitchen, do those things throughout the day so that after the kids go to bed, I have a couple of minutes to chill and then I can go to sleep. I'm not like scrubbing dishes for two hours at night. Another thing that's been helpful is healthy distractions, like working on projects I'm passionate about, like the Healthy and Happy Mama program, which is currently open for enrollment. If you want deets, just send me a DM on Instagram at byjuliebuer. Just look at my Instagram page. It has all the info. Look at my feed and it has why I created the program, what it's about, etc. But that has been the absolute best. And what's insane is that I decided to start working in November of last year. I said, okay, I'm going to start Healthy and Happy Mama on January 1st. In November and the first two weeks of December, I secured 10 clients to start on January 1st. And the week after that happened is when my dad went into the hospital. I get goosebumps all over my body every time I think about that because I really feel like it's God saying, girl, you're going to need this. You're going to need this emotionally. You're going to need this financially. You're going to, you couldn't have done this because I just did not have the emotional capacity to be on calls and signing people into a program. So God bless America. I had all of that set up right before my dad died because I truly feel like God knew I needed it. I needed it emotionally. It has been so healing for me to coach people. I feel like I'm in the right place at the right time coaching exactly who I meant to be coaching, my mamas. And it's just brought me so much joy and peace and fulfillment in a really difficult season of my life. So if you have something that you love to do that you find is a healthy distraction that puts you in that flow state, allows you to zone out for a little bit, that can be really healthy as well. Another thing that's very simple but very underrated is sitting up straight. So I want you to do this with me right now. Whether you're sitting or you're walking, just roll your shoulders down and back. Sit up really straight and take a huge belly breath. 
I've been doing that a few times per day or whenever I notice I'm anxious and I swear it makes a huge difference for my posture, for my life. I mean, it's one of those things we all know we should be doing, but are we actually doing it? Probably not. When's the last time you took a deep breath? Well, hopefully just right there with me. But aside from that, your breath is a tool that you can use to create more energy, more peace and help calm you down. So try it. And then this one is specific to me because I lost someone and this may be too woo-woo for you, but it's been incredibly helpful to talk to my dad out loud and ask him for guidance, support, and signs that he's still with me, which again, I'm not ready to get into today, but I would love to eventually talk about. So as a reminder, there is no right way to grieve or deal with hardship. I just wanted to share all of these examples with you in this episode because these are just some of the ways I've been coping with the loss of one of the most important people in my life. Unfortunately, we will all be touched by grief and loss at some point. And my father's death has truly shown me how scary it is to be at the end of your life and realize you haven't reached your full potential, which is another thing that's motivating me right now to self-actualize, to reach my full potential as a human, to carry out all of my dreams, to leave a legacy, to do all of the things. And while I'm very much in the grieving process still on a daily basis, I know I probably sound incredibly uplifting and happy in this episode, but just as a reminder, I was bawling my eyes out at 6.30 this morning, okay? I'm still extremely heartbroken and I'm not sure if that ever goes away, but I am choosing to honor my dad's legacy by doing all I can to honor my physical and emotional health because I know that's what he would want. I can hear his voice in my head being like, stop crying, get up. move on with your day. Don't cry over me. He did not want to inconvenience anybody or for anybody to be sad about him. So I'm trying my absolute best to honor that while still being like, of course, I'm going to be sad. (laughs) Like I've said a hundred times, I'm grateful. So freaking grateful. I've laid a foundation of healthy habits over the past decade of my life. But even if you haven't done that yet, I promise you it is never too late to start, even in the midst of life sucking. You are worth caring for both physically and emotionally. Let me say that again. You are worth caring for both physically and emotionally. I'm sending you so much love if you can relate to this episode. My heart truly goes out to you. And I never really understood. I feel terrible, actually, because I would see friends losing parents and losing loved ones. And I would just be like, oh, that sucks. I feel so bad for them. I'm so sorry. But you never truly know until you're there. And then you're like, man, I should have showed up as a much better friend. So that's my commitment moving forward is to show up as a better friend, drop off groceries, drop off food. Food is a love language. Everybody loves food. But aside from that, I do want to also show up for you, whether it's through Instagram, which I've been very active on lately, or through resources that I'm creating, like my Healthy and Happy Mama Roadmap to Success. If you want a copy of that, just DM me Roadmap and I'll send it to you. Or the Healthy and Happy Mama program in general, which has been such a labor of love. It's a course I built out in a one-on-one coaching platform that has filled my heart with so much joy. And then finally coming on this podcast and just sharing with you because hopefully you can take away one little nugget of something in this episode that will help make your grieving process a little bit easier. My heart goes out to you. I truly wish I could give you a big old hug. You are not alone. Even if we all grieve differently, we all go through hardships in life. So I'm sending you a big warm hug. I love you. I hope you can find a little bit more peace and ease and healing in your day today. Go do something for you. Love you. Bye.